Welcome into episode 124 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast. Natty Natty. Alongside Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Let's do that hockey. Uh, let's do that let's hockey. Let's do that hockey. As they say, let's do that hockey. As they say in hockey. Let's do that hockey. All right, let's, uh, let's start. I really don't want to start here, but I feel like we have to. Oh my God, again? As we record this, the uh, Arizona Coyotes are in Toronto to face off with the Maple Leafs this evening. Um, so I guess that's why the rumors still persist. We're on red alert here. Red alert for the William Neilander for Oliver Ekman Larson trade. As we are all reminded that if you have a hockey market as big as Toronto, you can just pick and choose whichever player you want from any team. And that trade will somehow come true. You heard say crazy things, and and they're supposed to be accurate. Is there any is there any example of this happening in the past? Every time I think of the Maple Leafs, whatever whether it's the media, the fan, whatever I don't know who it is that starts these things. Whenever I think of of that sort of hype being around a player, of oh that player's definitely coming here because he's good and we need him, and that's how trades and free agency work. Uh, was the whole Steven Stamkos thing where they just decided two years ahead of his free agent here that he was coming to Toronto. And I'm pretty sure he's still not playing for them. But the latest, as you just said, Oliver ekman Larson to Toronto for a good player who plays wing, which is the one position the Coyotes don't need. Yeah. Yeah. Not gonna happen. Maybe Brad Richards. You know, if you remember that? Oh, yeah, I do remember that. They already anointed him the, the next first-line center of the league. You know what bugs me even more than the, the persistent rumors? You sort of expect the rumors, I guess, to an extent, especially in a market like that. But... Once that rumor is out there, it's it's how far outlets are willing to take it. They'll start analyzing the trade. Will this be good for the Leafs, or is this a bad idea? <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's just absurd. It's, it's almost like it's a fait accompli. Okay, let, let's look beyond the trade now. Yeah. So and decide so how it's going to impact Larson both teams. Wins his third cup with the Maple Leafs in twenty twenty one. Like, will they be able to trade him before his value starts to decline? Yeah, they've already basically run him. Whoever they're they're adding to their team. Like what's down. the exit strategy for Oliver Ekman-Larsen in Toronto after they win the cup a couple times in a row? Well, I mean, look, we all work in, in sports media, so there are certainly times of, of year where news is slow and you have to be creative with topics. Like, I get that. And so as Craig's saying, like, I understand on some level how rumors get started. I don't know exactly where they're coming from in this case or in, or in most of these cases where the Maple Leafs just get to pick and choose whichever players they want. But it's the fact that it just keeps going to the point where then it's all of a sudden news. And then... You, you even you come full circle to the point where you've got Toronto fans wondering, we really want to give up Willie Nylander for Oliver Ekman Larson, right. which is the most ridiculous part of this whole thing. Right? You are not getting Oliver Ekman Larson simply for Willie Nylander. You have to give up more because you're getting a top pairing defenseman for a wing. That trade isn't happening. So are we going to break the uh, story that Craig was coming up with off the air before? Yeah, you know, I think as long as we're talking about this, Coyotes really need a, a number one center. So I, you know, I, I know Coyotes fans may have some angst over this. Maybe maybe the Leafs need to throw in something more. But I was thinking Oliver Ekman-Larsen, or maybe just Jacob Chikrin for Austin Matthews. Yeah. No, I mean, if you think about it, let's let's break this down. Now, yeah. at, the, at the moment, it's still just a rumor. But as Craig just said, the Coyotes need a center. So that right there should be good enough to get this done. Go to Toronto. That makes sense, sense, right? We need Toronto a needs a defenseman. Yeah, the Coyotes need a center. Well, Toronto needing a defenseman—that's just a bonus. Yeah, I mean the Coyotes really just—they just need a center. They do. So they can just pick and choose. And want to be realistic here. Connor McDavid's probably not getting traded. So yeah. we'll go right to the next best thing, Austin Matthews. Well, he's—I've heard he has some connection with with Arizona. That's good enough. That's Jimmy's young. Right yeah. yeah. See, he's young too. And, yeah, younger. So like yeah, they both, they both have elite potential on NHL 18, so they're really they're the same player. Now let's take this to the next level, though, and let's really analyze this. Are we sure Austin Matthews is the answer now that he's a member of the Arizona Coyotes? Uh, you know what? But like, is he even going to be the number one center? Or do we have? I mean, you know, I mean yeah. Stephon can can still be the number one center. Austin Matthews, number two, maybe second unit power play. Is, is he, he willing to take that hit in playing time? You know what yeah. my concern is? Is he capable of playing in a market like this? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. so used to playing in. You know, I mean, with, I mean, all his friends and family, a lot of friends and family are here. Is that a yeah. distraction? Can you handle the pressure in this market? Yeah. I think that's what you're really asking, right? right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's a long drive from Scottsdale to Glendale. I mean, will he really want to do that? Sometimes it's hot here. Yeah. It's, it's hot here a lot, actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, is, is, is this the environment you want to put your family around? I, I will say this. We, uh, in our infinite wisdom and, and Groundbreaking analysis. We did ask Alexa, which for some reason there's an Alexa in this uh, the studio. 
If yeah, we didn't tell you that we, bought, we got your replacement, but you know, I hate that you had to find out like this. <laughs> so it's just going to be Craig doing the show with Napkin Jamie and Alexa next yeah. week. <laughs> there might actually be a better podcast. <laughs> well, we asked Alexa if the Coyotes are trading Oliver Eckman Larson, and she said she's still learning about Coyote facts. So I think so was most of Toronto. <laughs> you know, Bob McKenzie did a breakdown of this today, as I'm sure you guys both have read at this point. But yeah. the, the 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 very end of the, the story, uh, I don't know what to call this. Uh, Sort of an analysis. He made two points. I don't believe the Coyotes are at all interested in trading Oliver Ekman Larson. Two, I don't believe the Leafs are at all interested in trading on any of their big three kids up front. Okay. So, at that point, I'm reading, yeah, this isn't happening. Yes. Look, the, I think the thing that's keeping this alive is people wonder how happy Oliver Ekman Larson is in Arizona with a team that continues to lose. And that's a fair way of putting pressure on an organization when you are a franchise player to say, hey, we need to improve and we need to improve quickly. That's that's called leverage. And I'm not saying that Oliver isn't going to, at some point down the road, say, you know what, I, I don't want to be a part of this if they're not winning, but I haven't gotten any hint of that from anybody on the inside. Yeah, and ultimately, too, it takes two to tango. I mean, I, we see this throughout sports with, with trade proposals. And, and again, I like the, the thought exercise of, okay, if this guy were to be traded and traded to this team, what does that do? But it's rare you see a team just flat out say, this is not happening, as clearly as John Scheichert has said, this is not happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else he has to do, to be honest. I mean, yeah. so clear on all of this. Well, so so far he has said, I'm not trading Oliver Ekman Larson, and he's also not traded Oliver Ekman Larson. So I don't really know, like you just said, Greg, how, how much more emphatic he can be. Um, the... the the story by Bob McKenzie is a good read. It is. It's just, it's crazy that it's gotten to this point where somebody like Bob McKenzie has to address it. And yet, here we are. And again, this isn't just some fan in Toronto saying, well, I tell you what, I really would like a, a number one defenseman for this team. That's all we're missing. And it would be great if it was all right. Larson. this is actually like being reported as legitimate news around the continent. Right. And, and by and large, the people reporting it, I, I doubt their sources. And, and look, this is, I'll be honest, this has been floated to me a couple times, but I don't trust the sources of that information. So uh, you go to the primary sources, you talk to the primary sources and hear what they say. And, and that's, also, that's reporting. You know, going back to his, his article, like McKenzie puts in there, he starts listing all the different reasons why this won't happen. And he does, you know, he does acknowledge, hey, you know, it's possible Oliver Larson's upset. They've won four of their first 22 games. He probably should be a little upset right now. That doesn't all of a sudden mean he's getting traded to Toronto. And yeah, there's so exactly. many steps between, hey, I'm upset because we're losing, and now you're on Toronto for another win. Yes, is it possible at some point Albrecht McMarson will say, I think I could be in a better situation? Of course it's always possible, but there's a difference between that and making the leap to, he's got to get traded tomorrow, and by the way, just leave him in Toronto on your way out, which has kind of been the problem here. There's, there's a massive jump between... Yeah, I'm sure John Tavares would like the Islanders to win a little bit more. Doesn't necessarily mean he won't resign there and needs to be traded to the deadline. Yeah, to Toronto. Yeah, to Toronto. For <laughs> that one, too. Yeah, and, and it probably doesn't help that the Coyotes are playing the Maple Leafs in Toronto tonight, but whatever. Hasn't Mike Babcock welched on a, a, a CFL bet with Austin Matthews today? Still still hasn't paid up. I mean, that could be a source of real frustration for Austin it's Matthews. True. I mean, enough to drive him out of town. That's yeah. at least back home. Reasons now. Those things don't happen at home. Uh, we're not critical enough, specifically, Jamie isn't critical yeah, enough no, of the Coyotes yeah, on this no, podcast. Apparently, we're not critical enough of the Coyotes at all. We haven't talked anything about how bad they've been to begin the year. Not once. So, no, never. This is probably... going to back up, too, because apparently our show's really badly mic'd. So yeah. Gonna, was that... Oh, okay. I should talk from here. That was that was the ultimate... Like That one hit home with Jamie, though. That was solid. The... And you know what? The show is poorly mic'd. It's like they got him. The walk-off line is just this. <laughs> and you know what? You're stupid, too. Yeah, that's exactly what that was. Uh, I kind of like that one. The yeah, and you're ugly at the very end. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, Clayton Keller not scoring the last few games. It started with the Pittsburgh game, right? So what is that? Two, three, that's five yeah, games at that point. You know what's funny about that is all these stories are filtering out right now on Clayton Keller being the runaway leader for the Calder Trophy. It's almost like they're two weeks too late because he has really cooled off. And we this never month. learn. This is this is giving away the Heisman in October. Like, yeah. We never learn that there are going to be players that hit a rookie wall. There are going to be rookies that have very strong second halves. Are you implying sure. the Calder Trophy is going to somebody from Alabama like it, it always does when it's the Heisman Trophy? Well, 
season just falls apart, so they just give it to whoever's on Alabama. The it's just it's one of those things where again we, we said when is Clay Tucker going to hit the rookie wall? We all expected to hit. Maybe he's a little bit sooner than some of us expected. And I don't even know if he's hit the wall, right? Yeah, and it may not it might not be. Again, players go five games without scoring all the time. Right. It's tough when you're living in the moment of wow, it's been a week and a half since he scored. But who knows? Also, again, the team's not very good. Yeah. He's got three points in November, and two of those came very early in November. So in his last what six games, he has one point, one assist. So he's struggling a little bit. Not, I know they broke up the lines. I talked to Rick Tockett about this a little bit, but he broke up the lines when he felt like Derek Stepan and Clayton Keller weren't creating chances anymore. That, that was his concern, so he thought it was good for all of them. And, and look, you know how lines are in the NHL. They're so fluid. These guys will be back together at oh, yeah. some point, maybe some point very soon. But the, the bottom line is Clayton Keller has one assist in his last six games. They have been getting some secondary scoring, which is yeah. a good sign, so maybe this was good overall, but... You wonder if playing 20 minutes a game so early on, playing in such critical situations, did it take a little bit of a toll on yeah, him? I'm sure it did. And he was probably overachieving, one, just for a shooting percentage. And two, you're on a team where it's not exactly the most offensively gifted unit in the league. There are, he's one of four players on the carry He's averaging more than a half a point per game. You think Austin Matthews would change that? Probably. They should probably make that trade then. Maybe we'll be able to do Keller and Ekman Larson and do Claire and Domi for... Austin Matthews. Wait, now we like the trade again? I'm, I'm difficult to keep with you guys today. Austin Matthews? Yeah. So now we want Austin Matthews to get back in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, Dwork with 12 points in 22 games. You don't even need Austin Matthews, honestly. That's, that, that's a luxury. And the Matthews won two in a row. So yeah. at that point, you really want to have to, to bring in somebody to mess up the chemistry that he has yeah, right now. Shake things up now. Uh, the one thing I would say about Keller, too, and, and James, oh, wait, how many people are going to think we're serious with this? Uh, I'm just going through my head. Probably okay. enough. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing with Keller is he was on a line for a while there with the other two guys that were producing points consistently. So teams could just stack their defensive forwards and their defense against that line. I mean, that goes back to the notion that the Coyotes weren't scoring a lot of goals. It's not just, hey, guys can't set up Clayton Keller to score or they're not finishing his passes. It's most of the Coyotes' offense was on one line, so other teams could just stack their best defensive players against that line. And he's a rookie, and he's 19. And he's not catching anybody by surprise anymore. No. I mean, if, you, if you're playing the Coyotes, you're saying, we got to take somebody away on the forward group. Yeah, so who are you taking away? You're taking away Clayton Keller. You know what? We need to focus all of our energy on Anthony Duclair. Well, maybe they should. Though. They, they, they may have to now. But, you know, you know, we need to take Christian Fisher out of the game. No, they're taking Clayton Keller out of the game. It's like when we saw... Edmonton in the playoffs last year, teams obviously put their focus on Connor McDavid, and they didn't completely shut him out, but he was not nearly the player in the playoffs that he was during the regular season last year. But as a result, a guy like Leon Dreisaitl just went off when yeah. he wasn't on his line. So there you go. This is not, this is not rocket science. This is, this is basic hockey. Uh, so Keller's now second in the rookie scoring race with 18 points, number one in goals still by four with 11. But uh, they have number one in primary points, too, yeah. Yeah, like a lot of yeah. primary points. So. Yeah. Which, which, is, uh, which is important, but especially get late in season two when you're starting to evaluate the differences at the top of the Calder race. Barzal, 19 points. It's very, very good, by the way. 15 assists already, and Brock Besser with 17.7 goals, 10 assists. That's your top three. I mean, the New Jersey guys have kind of slowed down. A little. That's a little. But has been playing pretty well. Yeah. Butcher slowed down. I mean, Butcher's had six points since we talked about him eight episodes ago. Yeah. And uh, Jesper Brown has both down a little bit as well. But it's, it's a compelling race. It's about what we expected this year in the sense that it's going to be wide open for a while. That doesn't mean Clayton Keller's not still going to win it. I don't think he's done scoring points this season. But it, it's, it's wide open. There is no Connor McDavid or there's no Austin Matthews. So get ready for the lead to change a few times over the next five or six months. Sergei Bobrovsky, best goalie in the world? Great goalie or the greatest goalie? Do different bits from late shows, man. Oh yeah, let's do that. I just I'm reading Craig's note of a question that he clearly wanted me to ask him, but he's not answering it now. Oh, I have to answer this. Well, yeah. oh, you want my opinion? Just, I just was searching the question: Who is Sergey Bobrovsky? Oh, um, yeah. Ask no, Alexa. Sorry. Apparently, a Hall of Famer. Remember talking about that last week too. And then he just proceeded to be dominant after that. Well, what do you think? I mean, you look at his numbers this year. He's dominant again. He's won, what, two of the last five Vezina trophies? Yeah. He's, he's not the best. 
No, I don't think no. So. As you said last week, I know. He's what I said. <laughs> he's he's too inconsistent. Not not as a knock, but if you're talking about the best goalie in the world, like if we're all drafting teams right now for the rest of the season and everybody's healthy. I don't know. That, that's right. tough because yeah. Carey Price has fallen off. Carey Price, is, yeah, Carey Price and Henrik Lundqvist are, yeah. are over. Have probably a leap. Jonathan Quick. I mean, you, you, you can't look at Bob Roski and call him inconsistent and then not say the same thing about Jonathan Quick. Now, yes, there are some injury concerns there, but he has the same issues, if you were to put them in air quotes. Well, a lot of teams like to have the Jonathan Quick circuit Bobrovsky problem. To be fair, I was using Craig's word that he was inconsistent. That's what he said last week. But that was, if he puts two seasons like this together, is he still inconsistent? No. That was that was in the context of is he a Hall of Famer. A quarter of the way through this season, and his numbers are spectacular, coming off of Essendon Trophy. So, I don't know. I wonder. I like Bobrovsky a lot. I think it's hilarious that Philadelphia got rid of him because they needed a good goaltender, and look at the career he's gone on to have. But I have to think if the three of us in this room were drafting a team starting right now for the rest of the season, we would take Carey Price would probably still be the first goal we taken. I don't know. Not, sure not, not in sure the context of, of being in the fishbowl in Montreal and with everything that's been going on. No, but he's goalie for this year. But injury history with him has been a problem. I mean, if, if, if all, all things equal, I mean, is it Corey Schneider? Is it Corey Crawford? It's got to be somebody named Corey. I mean, Corey, I mean, Corey Crawford's Corey been Crawford excellent. No help besides Duncan Keith in front of him. Never gets any attention. It's amazing. How much he longer? He has been spectacular. Seabrook have on that contract? Uh, Can you just remind me? Six plus? Six and a half years? I mean, I think three quarters. So I think, I mean, that's the conversation. Schneider, Bobrovsky, Crawford. Maybe is Holtby there, maybe? Well, Quick's in the conversation. Quick's in the conversation. I still think Price is in the conversation, too. Yeah, but I mean, I think those guys are in the next next step. Like next level down. Wow. If, if Bobrovsky hadn't had that just lousy 2015 16 year, you look at his numbers over the past six seasons, you say, I mean, same percentage above 918 and what is it, five of those six yeah. seasons now. That's Those are good numbers. He just had such a bad year that one year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but he was hurt yeah. too, like 37 games. I don't think it's crazy. I don't know if he'd be my pick, but as you said, we named about, what, five or six of them? Bobrovsky, Quick. He's right in there. Uh, Radko Gudis? <laughs> Craig has words. Not one of the best goalies. No. <sighs> We've known this for a while, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, this is... You guys remember that... what he does. Was it, was it last year? The the hit on Shane Doan along the boards? When he put his get the knee into Shane Doan's head? I believe it was two, two years ago. ago. Wasn't it the same game Michael Stone got hurt in, or am I imagining? Yeah, well, Hazel took a five-minute morning penalty in that game. I think that was I think that was two seasons ago. Maybe not. All the Radko Gudis questionable yeah. hits run together. Was right. Well, there's nothing he's about subtle about this. Yeah, there wasn't about this one. But he's, he's amazingly subtle. He, he can do it subtly, and so he gets away with it a lot, which he did in that game. You remember how limited Dave Tippett was after that game. But I, he's he's a dirty player. Radko Gudis is a very dirty player, and he just got nailed for 10 games without pay for this slash to Matthew Perot. As he should have. I mean, that's that's pretty cut and dry. Take, take your second slash guy in the head. There's um, I don't know that there's more of a suspension they could have given, so I'm not like pinning this on the league, but do you really think this deters him from doing it again in five months? I think it's who he is. just think that's the type of player he is. Yeah, I, I don't know. Again, we'll, you'll, you'll get, yeah, when things. he comes back to the lineup, you'll hear all the quotes, right? Yeah. Well, I need to do a better job. It's on that line. I've learned my lesson. Yada, yada, yada. I hope he actually says yada, yada, yada. That would be great, great wouldn't it? I would, I would respect that. I would, too. Now, can you get out of my way so I can just slash somebody, slash somebody else in the head? Yeah. Uh, to a certain extent, when you sign a player like that, you know what you're getting, too. Of course they did. He's got and it is Philadelphia. Yeah. So, Watch, we'll get our standing ovation when he comes back. Uh, Brayton Shen, former Philadelphia Flyer. Pretty good offseason acquisition for the St. Louis Blues so far. That line for St. Louis has been <laughs> remarkable. But we, we talk about Tampa a lot, as we should, and they are getting more and more attention around the league, especially the top line of Stan Coast and Kucherov. Yeah, because Stan Coast would have 144 points. Yeah. <laughs> but that line in St. Louis with uh, Shen, Tarasenko, and Schwartz, mm-hmm. that's right up there with that Tampa Bay line. You, you look at the Blues, and you're like, how are they – how are they having so much success? Like, you would expect them to be good, but did you expect them to be this good? A lot of it is because of that line. 
Braden, and I posed this question to you guys at the time, and it, it's it's a long way from the end of the season, so we don't know yet, but he has 26 points in 21 games. He's never had more than 59 points in a season. Yeah. This could turn out to be the biggest offseason acquisition in the NHL, and there were a ton of trades that got were signings that got more attention than this one. Yeah. At and least 10. And looking at the offseason, the way it worked out, they essentially were able to trade Ryan Reeves, a conditional first <laughs> oh, yeah, that in 2018, <laughs> and a second-round pick for what amounts to be, oh, and Yuri Laterra, which was a mistake signing for them, for Braden Shen and an actual prospect in Oscar Sundquist. Yeah. Conditional first and a second. Ryan Reeves and two worthless players. Ryan Reeves with uh, Phil Kessel off the ice is one of the like funniest duos in all of hockey. That's nice. I think it's worth it for the Penguins. Yeah, that's nice. I'm sure that's gonna help them win another cup. No. Never know. Maybe it'll fire Phil Kessel up. They need somebody because the Kessel whisperer is gone. St. Louis did a great job in the offseason, and for as much as we were on them last year for holding on to Kevin Shattenkirk and holding on to Kevin Shattenkirk, and you wondered if they were going to get any value back for him, they had a pretty good offseason in that front office. Yeah, and speaking of that, Shattenkirk, when, when you look back at what happened last summer, Shattenkirk was probably the top name, right? But the, there was also the, the big trade with Brandon Sutton or Temi Panarin. Mike Smith, Travis Hamannick, go to Calgary, Jordan Eberle, even even the Coyotes getting Stepan and Antti Ranta. Star signed Ben Bishop, the Lightning and Canadians make the trade with Jonathan Drouin and Kyle Sergacho. There was a ton of stuff that got more attention to it. I don't think this got much attention at all. No, it didn't. Really. I don't think people expected much from this move. And he used to be one of the highest-rated prospects. You know, when like the hockey just puts out their list of prospects that aren't in the NHL yet, but they're right there. And Braden Shen was was pretty routinely in the top five, and then he broke in, and he was he's just been a decent player his whole career. But it's not inconceivable he's taking another step. Like I don't expect him to. What's he on pace for? 100 points right now. I don't expect him to do that. But it wouldn't shock me if he had 70. Look at the line mates he's playing, like you mentioned earlier, though. Look at those line Those are dynamic line mates. He could have a he could average a point a game. I wouldn't be surprised at this point. And that's the thing, too. Like Sometimes people forget this about hockey, or they just maybe they don't understand it or whatever if they haven't played. But it's not just take your three best players and put them on the line and it's going to work. It's if, you know, if, if Braden Shen has good chemistry with Vladimir Tarasenko, then he's his line mate probably for the majority, if not all, of the season. So it's not inconceivable that he keeps putting up a point and a half per game for a while here. I and mean, he's going to hit some dry spells, but that line clicks, and it works. And now they know it works, even if they have to go away for it, from it for a week or two in the middle of the season. That's their top line. Yeah, and somebody deserves credit for figuring that out. And you get, to a certain extent, it's a gamble, right? You don't know for certain that these guys are going to have chemistry, but they, they obviously saw some things in his game that made them think he'd be a good fit between those two guys, and he's been better than good. They've been one of the best lines in hockey. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, it all, it all ends up since the uh, the trade deadline. They moved Shattenkirk, Laterra, Ryan Reeves, a 2017 second rounder, and a conditional first in 2018. And they get Brad Malone, Zach Sanford, Oscar Sundquist, Braden Shin, a 2017 first, and a 2019 second. It's not a bad return. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's a lot of pieces to come back. Especially because Shattenkirk, they had to move. Yeah, they had to move. You get a, well, Shen has been great for them. Two legit prospects, a veteran that was coming off the books, and a first and second round pick. Isn't two legit prospects an MC Hammer zone? No. I'm trying to think of a good pun there. Oh. I, I had nothing. We'll give you some time. Because this is like right in your wheelhouse. Uh, the Winter Classic is set for 2019. Who's playing in that? Uh, that would be the Blackhawks and the Bruins. Oh, somebody new. <laughs> 2020 will be the Blackhawks against the Blackhawks mm-hmm. in their practice club. Yes. Yeah. So this one's at Notre Dame, which is kind of cool. Yes. Very cool. What is the logic behind not ever showing us a new team? <laughs> People watch the Blackhawks. Yeah. Do you think they still do? I think the league thinks that they do. Well, maybe, I'm sure they have numbers to back it, but is there a lag effect here? Like by the time we get to the 2019 Winter Classic, will anyone care about the Blackhawks? After they've missed the playoffs this year. <laughs> there, there is something to be said for missing out on the excitement from a market having that for the first time. Yeah. But I also think they're saying we need we need ratings for NBC and we have a, we stand a better chance with the Blackhawks than we do for a... The venue's pretty darn cool. You'll probably get all Notre Dame fans to tune into it too simply because it's at Notre Dame yeah. Stadium and there are Notre Dame fans everywhere. I just wonder how much you need 
specific teams for the Winter Classic to work? Like most people, I feel like they watch the Winter Classic either are watching because of hockey and they're going to watch no matter who you put out there. Or they left NBC on on New Year's from the night before. Or, or watch, that. they watch the ball drop and they turn it back on. Oh, well, I guess there's hockey. Yes. There's that. Uh, I guess if you lost your remote, Jamie scenario. But I think the majority of just casual hockey fans or just sports fans in general that are watching are watching because there's cool jerseys and it's outdoors. I don't think they really care that it's Chicago again, except I do think at a certain point you're like, all right, it's Chicago again. And there's like three or four teams that, okay, good, it's this team again. Like, Has Minnesota ever been in one of these? I feel like yes. hockey's pretty big yeah. in Minnesota. I think, yeah, they have. I think they decided this right after the Blackhawks beat the Penguins for the eighth time. Minnesota's been in one. And I, I think that's one. They, you know, they were rolling the dice between those two teams. Oh, the Blackhawks won again. If they they don't use to put the Penguins in there and, again either. And I know they don't want to put Canadians in the right right this. Comment, huh? But yeah, how good there. would a Tampa Bay-Toronto Winter Classic be? Awesome to watch. You be insane. That, if somebody watches that game and maybe isn't a hockey fan or is a casual fan, they will probably be a fan after the, watching those two teams go up and play against each other. Eight teams have never played in an outdoor game of any kind, and ten have only played once. This is the Blackhawks' fourth Winter Classic. And sixth outdoor game. Yeah, see, that's not. You need to. What you need to be doing is finding, especially in this this venue, because this you can market to a, a much broader audience. And I don't think you're pulling in a bunch of new Patrick Kane fans. I think you need to find two teams that play an exciting style of hockey because exactly the new markets or the new the new audience you're trying to get to watch. Right. They don't really care what cities they're from. They want to see an exciting brand of hockey. Columbus could play in this game. Yeah. Columbus, Columbus absolutely it, it, go, it goes back to what we've talked about a lot. It's how the NHL decides to market its product. And they don't build new stars. They focus on teams versus individuals. And we're starting to see that's an antiquated way that people in North America are starting to view sports. We are very... I'm of the mind we are very much moving toward a European style of players are going to start to be a bigger part of what people root for than necessarily teams, especially when they're trying to pick up a new sport. And they're going to attach on the players first. And the NHL does a terrible job marketing individual players. They flat out said, uh, was it last year or two years ago, before one of the million times the Penguins beat the, the Capitals in the, in the playoffs, that we were not marking this around Crosby versus Ovechkin. We're marking this around the Capitals versus the Penguins. Well, that's nice. When you do that, you're marketing, you're essentially reaching your audience that you've already reached. Right, I mean, you need right. you need to market some of these individuals. Like, why isn't why isn't this Tampa Bay and St. Louis? Those are maybe yeah. the two most exciting teams in hockey right now. Look, Chicago's exciting, Pittsburgh's exciting, but they've just they've been in there a lot. Well, hockey overall has a problem, and it, by the way, it goes all the way down to the to some on the fan level of creating allowing people to enjoy the sport without being hardcore fans and allowing new fans in and making them feel welcome. There is no sport that has that is worse about welcoming new fans than hockey. Soccer. Well, <laughs> fair, fair enough. But that's it. But I hear what you're saying. They're, but the four majors in, in North America, and again, the Premier League starting to maybe creep into that conversation with the TV deals that they've had. There's nobody that is, no sport that is worse about welcoming new people in. Yeah, and it's not everybody, but I mean, there certainly is a subsection of, of the population, whether it's hockey fans or just how the game is marketed, that they do sort of roll their eyes at, at newcomers who maybe don't know all the nuances of the game. It's not everybody, but you want to grow the game, you need the new people. And I just think if, if I didn't watch hockey as much as I do, if I just casually was paying attention on the day that the Winter Classic is on TV, and I tune in and watch Chicago and Boston, and I'm like, you know, I only watch three hockey games a year, and I always seem to see Chicago. And this Boston team is okay, but, you know, whatever. I just if I'm running the league or if I'm if I'm in control of, of the TV deal, I wouldn't mind if a new audience saw Stephen Stamkos. No, and all those players. And an exciting around. team, but you know what? It's fine because like in February or around that time, there's going to be this big, a big competition that goes on. You're going to see all of the best hockey players in the world competing, and it's really it's it's an easy thing for people to understand. You might not like hockey, but you like team. You have, oh wait. We're not going to have that, are we? Have we determined who's going to play on these teams yet? No idea. I don't think anyone knows. And it starts in less than three months. Although, the, the one silver lining is maybe more people will watch the, the women's hockey tournament, which will be exciting, and we know who's going to be in that, versus we have no idea. We, what happened today with the KHL? They're, they're doing something else now to basically ban their players and, and players that they are reported from playing in the Olympics. So... 
What are we down to? I mean, I'm still going to watch because it's the Olympics and because it's hockey. But, and you can sell me on, on the whole quality of having some, some players out there that aren't professional that have something to prove. Like, I can watch that for a couple weeks. But you, you can't sell me on that being a better product than all the best players in the world. Because but even it just on, doesn't work that way. But even on that, your interest in it begins and ends at the opening and closing ceremony. Mm-hmm. There is no carryover. Now, I know the league continues to insist there's zero carryover or very little carryover for the NHL. I have a hard time believing that because I guarantee you a lot of people would have known who the name Ryan Miller was and what, who he was after DJ Oshie. Again, it goes back. If you market this right, you can create stars. People are going to watch because it's Team USA. I, I, go America, go. That's what they're going to watch. And you, you can create stars from that and say, hey – now watch them play here. You can watch them play every Saturday on NBC. Yeah, and but whatever do that. Whatever that player is, if it's TJ Oshie or whoever it would be in 2018, that player's team should probably be in the Winter Classic the next year. I mean, if you really just want to, you want to maximize it. You know, depending who that guy, if he, if it's somebody from whatever Ottawa, that would be smart marketing. Penguins fans booed Sidney Crosby on home ice and cheered Ryan Miller because of the Olympics. Briefly, that stopped me, but. I mean, you, you can get people passionate about certain players in the product, especially if Team USA is competitive. If they're if they're awful, then no, you're, you're probably in a spot where nobody wants to go cheer for a team that's awful. But they're typically competitive. Yes, and you know what? It's one of the rare times where a, a USA fans can actually look at the Olympics and say, we're an underdog in this major sport. And be and realistically, not fake things we tell ourselves. You can't do that in the, when you play Olympic basketball. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Imagine trying to handicap this tournament, by the way. Imagine trying to handicap this tournament. Well, I don't know who any of the players are. That's the problem. Jamie's right, though. It's it's just the when when the U.S. is in there with NHL players, it's just the right amount of you are the underdog. You're but not you have star power. You have names people know, but you are legitimately the underdog. But you, you could maybe the second or win. third best country. You could win though, and that's the thing. You don't just want to be the underdog and like. The U.S. in soccer, hey, we're the underdog. Oh, we didn't qualify for the World Cup. Well, yeah, no, that should be bad. But the U.S. in basketball, oh, yeah, we're really going to have a hard time with Argentina. Well, yeah. No, you're not. Do, do you're they win. Do they win the gold undefeated or do they lose once along the way? And then we get upset when they only win by 35 because we think there's infighting or something. But with hockey, it's really the it's the major team sport of the Winter Olympics, and the U.S. can embrace the underdog role but still be good enough that they're already better than at least, what, 70% of the countries in yeah. the tournament. They're in the conversation there with Canada and Russia and Finland and Sweden. Sweden. Sweden's going to win. Shout out to Sebastian. We have to get Sebastian back on the we really show. Do. Now, now we're not only having him, we're having shows without him on them, but we're talking about Sweden more and more each week. Yeah. It's like the ultimate slap to Sweden's Sweden's face. Um, it sounded like you had something behind that. Me? Yeah. No. Is that why you blackballed him? <laughs> hey, no, Luke, I would have Sebastian on every week. He's, Why don't you? He's, he's busy doing Sebastian things. Well, you told me I had them all lined up. And you said, <laughs> what, what are some Sebastian things that he does? They're mostly Swedish things. Mostly Swedish, yeah. I think he runs around dressed like a Viking. And if he doesn't, he probably will now. Uh, I'm reading through Craig's notes again. Oh, boy. This is a lot of typos. Metro Madness. Ooh, little headlines. I like that. Kind of gets me fired up. We agree the Metro is the best division in hockey right now still. I do. I think so. Wait, last week you said the Atlantic was. No, we were joking. No. Okay. The top of the Atlantic is very good. The top of the Atlantic is The top good. two teams. Emma Van Toronto. And then look who's inside like the SEC. Yeah, that's not going to last. Detroit Red Wings. I feel like Jamie should have to do the, something. The, the Red Wings with a losing record? It's not a losing record, Jamie. They're 10-8. Three oh, that's right. Games they've, they've only lost more games than they won, which is the only sport that's not a losing yeah. record. What are you going to do if they make the playoffs? Um, I'm going to pinch myself and wake up from the dream that you're having. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck with that. It's my dream. Uh, the Metro is, I mean, this is how good the Metro is. Washington's in fifth place. So they don't usually suffer that sort of uh, average outcome unless it's the playoffs. Five points separating eight teams. Three points separating the top seven. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. New Jersey jumping into the mix was like the last thing the Metro needed this year. Oh, look, we have another good team. They're and the really, Islanders are playing pretty well. There really yeah. are no bad teams. No. Like, who do we think is going to finish in last? Carolina? Yes. Because they've picked it up considerably ever since we talked about how they have nothing to fight for. Yeah, they have no future. <laughs> well, they're a point out of a playoff spot right now. 
Well, I think everybody's got point out of a playoff spot right now except like Phoenix. And Buffalo. That's it. Buffalo. Yeah, I said, yeah, Arizona. I'll have to pay. I put a dollar in the, in the Phoenix truck. We had a Phoenix truck. We, for we a while. did. Yeah. Also, you know what I need? Like, I need a, a San Diego Charger to draw. Okay. Because I have had no issue with the Rams. I can. I have gotten the Chargers wrong every time. I, I will never start with L.A. Chargers. No, what the Angels? Angels? Stop changing your yeah, name. The Los Stop Angeles that. Angels of Anaheim. Stop it. Are you guys done? No. Okay. Anything else? Is there a more relevant team in a major market than the Angels? In terms of the way they're talked about? Well, they're not talked about. So somebody said like Matt Harvey should go to the Angels to get away from the media. <laughs> Uh, and they have money. You need crowd. to go to Los Angeles to get away from the media. I mean, to be in a media market that big and have maybe the best player in baseball, there's still nobody somebody out there. Yeah, that is, that is sort of strange. Uh, Vegas, best home winning percentage in the NHL. Seriously, is this going to keep up? The house I, always wins. I'm starting to think. Nate Schmidt said that. I like it. I like it. That was Nate Schmidt. That was great. That's brilliant. Seriously, 8 and 1 at home. Is this going to keep up? Can they ride this to the playoffs? They might be able to. Well, let's see. Okay, they're second in the Pacific right now. By one point. They're one point behind L.A. after beating L.A. Yeah. I mean, got two games in hand. I still have a hard time believing it, but we're getting to the point where it's, regardless of how this, unless they lose 20 in a row, they've already exceeded expectations. Well, it's definitely, it's definitely fun. I mean, this is how you want to introduce a new fan base to a sport. <laughs> With a good team. Yeah, or just, I mean... I don't know. You still you look at that roster, and, and it doesn't look like a playoff roster. But who cares? Like when you're going to the games in Vegas, and I'm assuming now they're watching the road games in Vegas as well. That that's a team that is is winning what basically 67 percent of their games. I mean that's that's they're winning all their games in regulation too. Yeah, they are winning in regulation, literally all of them. And no, I guess not all, of them, but most of them. And it's, no, they're, they're 12. Yeah, regulation overtime. Yeah, it, they're means so much more that they're doing this at the start of the season than at the end of the season, I think. Like, if they had started off really slow and they were out of – if they were the Carolina Hurricanes right. and then they finished strong, I think they might garner some interest in the second half. But the fact that right now, a month and a half into the season, you can legitimately talk about them being in the playoff race, even though it's early, as a team that – what's the rule when you get to Thanksgiving? If you're not in a playoff position, chances are you're not getting in. Right. Or, or conversely, if you're in, it's, I think it's almost – I think it's like 78%. Requested the the up to date numbers, but I think as of last season, before last season's postseason or last season's Thanksgiving, it was seventy eight percent of the teams that were in playoff position since uh, since two thousand, right? Yeah, since two thousand had made the playoffs. That's I wouldn't crazy. even know where to, where to recommend or where to, to request that information. Like, well, I crave the other house awards. Yeah, so you just pay you a lot of money. Well, no, I can't go directly. You have to go through teams. But they will make those requests for you. And is Elias by any chance run by Patrick Eliash, or is that just a rumor that was started among hockey fans? There's the names just been mispronounced the whole time. <laughs> like Adidas and that was in North America. Oh, sorry. Never mind. How is Adidas supposed to be pronounced? Adidas. Fun fact. Wow. I'm just there's the treasure trove of knowledge over here. Because younger Adidasler. If that's it, that's a lot more sense than sort of eye contact today. Uh, do we want to look at some of these playoff teams? Like Where they are? Yeah. I will be writing about that later this week on EverexSports.com. Cheap plug. Well, it is uh, it is Thanksgiving week. Yeah, that's why I needed a nice, easy, cheap yeah. story. That's are you not going to do research things you're thankful for? <laughs> no, I don't. Are you going to be thankful for? And like the is that, last is that list, be an incredibly short list. Wow. Wow. And you would definitely... I never listen to this podcast, so I don't have to worry about it. Now we know why. Uh, let's start in the West. Anybody stand out here? Chicago's in right now. I know that... Uh, Everybody thinks they're going to pick first if they're uh, they're currently. They're well, if they get into the lottery, you know, you know how that works. Uh, Winnipeg still had Kane Shaw. Like it. Winnipeg's good. Got that. Uh, got that ticket from Vegas, Luke. Oh yeah, yeah. You do. You say random. You're saying we'll have to make a trip back there for the next NHL awards. Yeah, I don't. You're going to have to make that trip back there with me because I'm not going by myself. But uh, I don't think you'll need the ticket to be honest. <laughs> but either way, it's fun. Uh, Edmonton still has the second worst record, uh, third worst record. Not yeah, gotta give them credit. I don't, I don't yeah, know bad. about that one. I don't know about that one. Okay, they, they missed the playoffs. They're this so. Season. What do you do as ownership? What do you do? They're so flawed as a team. It's I know I know what we saw. They're a similar team to where they were last year in terms of just their on paper players, but they are so flawed. And every flaw is utterly apparent right now. I mean, every 
What would you do if you were ownership? I would draft Rasmus Dahlin with the first overall pick. Yeah. Oh, after you get it. Yeah. I, I don't know how you then, look, I don't. I don't know how you're looking. But then you office. probably need to change your GM, otherwise he'll trade him away. I don't know how you third line your GM. I don't know how you sit down there. That's where just, I just, just do a T chart of players lost, players gained in trades, and look back and say, did we win any of those? You know what I would do? I, I would trade the third best GM in the league for a second pairing defenseman so that yeah. they can solidify that second pairing. I just, I just don't know how. And they're all self-inflicted wounds. Yep. They have been gifted. They were they were gifted the best, the soon to be the best player in hockey. They have two top centermen that most teams would kill for. It's, this is another Penguins model of you, you've got two franchise centers just plopped in your lap, and they're doing absolutely nothing with them. Jamie and I were kind of talking about this while Craig was off doing whatever he was doing before the show. Oh, getting us coffee. All right, that's a good reason. Hmm. I mean, he got us coffee. It's not the, the right coffee, but, you know. It's not the right size. That's right. The coffee is correct. It's not for the right size, initially. We don't want to get into my Starbucks experience, do we? Uh, well, I mean, it's not a good experience. I enjoy think it dropping I'm the sponsor. This is my Starbucks story. We need, to, we need to find someone else. Think about Dutch Brothers now. Wow. I love Dutch Brothers. This is going to be a much faster show. show. We're all going to be talking. We need Dutch Brothers people. to cater the show with, like, ice kickers and their, like, Cakes that they bake or whatever. Yeah. I've never actually eaten any of the like pastry items at Dutch Brothers. Have you ever had a kicker? Yes, I love the ice kickers. Isn't it just it's like caffeine with Red Bull and caffeine? Yeah. It? Do you get one like with an extra shot in it? Yeah. It's, it's no, great. I've never had one. I almost accidentally got one because no, you told me to get one. You feel great the rest of the day, and, and then terrible for the rest of the year. Or? No, 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 you'll be all right. No, just keep drinking it. No, oh, you yeah. won't. You won't have withdrawals. <laughs> get, like I'm just get an IV drip <laughs> of, of it. As long as you never stop, you'll be fine. All right. Well, that sounds healthy. Uh, how many of these issues that the Oilers have are, I guess they are really all Giro's fault, aren't they? <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's... They have two players. It, well, which part? Is it the poor roster construction, the terrible trades, or the terrible uh, free agent signings? The, the biggest thing... Other than all of those things, they're, they're in great shape. Well, but he hasn't been there that long, so I'm just trying to... I know. Through. That's the amazing part. He's really done a good... <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it really is. A, like it's a really, bullet in China shop. It's, it's, it's oh, great. What else it's amazing. Well, how did I get in the position where I'm on the witness what? stand? How did I break through this beautiful palace? Oh, man. <laughs> just no, got a new building. I'm just trying to figure out. The biggest issue I have when I look at the Oilers is the cap constraints. If the roster was just bad around Dreisaitl and McDavid, I would say, okay, work on this. Figure out a way to make your roster better. My concern with the Oilers, and this is kind of a legitimate concern. Like It's partially tongue-in-cheek, but it's also partially... I'd like to see Connor McDavid in the playoffs, and the cap constraints become much tighter next year. So, well, yeah. What's did this really all happen in the last two years? I guess it did. It did. Think about it. Nugent Hopkins. You freed up all, all that cap space to sign Milan Lucic yeah. and play Patrick Maroon on your top line. Drake Kajula had a couple goals the other night. So that's they, that, that's they have coming off the books. Brian Strong comes off the books. I have no idea why that deal was made in the first place. Uh, that, you just you you gave the answer before you gave the question. That deal was made because he comes off the books. Okay, so Latestu, Maroon, Camilleri. You're not. I mean, okay, you just named four forwards that are going to save you a total of. Did about you call six him Drake Caligula, Caligula? By the way, the other day. No, I did. Oh, you did. My bad. I butchered it completely. I like Caligula. We should stick with that. I, that's better. Honestly, it's a better name. He's cool. More goals. I texted you both that he had two goals, and the response I got, and maybe it shows something about the chemistry on the show. I almost that was nothing. I got no response. So maybe I'm the only one paying attention to the Oilers on the show. Seriously, what do they do next season? When you look at their cap commitments next year, according to Cap Friendly, they have uh, an estimated salary of $66 million, but they have all these guys off the books. How many, how many players does that account for? I'm seeing 10 guys. 14. 14 players, and they have $66 million committed to those 14 players. Does Chiarelli know something about the cap next season? Is it like jumping $10 million? Better hope. We, you know what we should do? Maybe I'll do this towards the end of the season for FanRex Sports, of course, is write up a story on like the five or six teams that would benefit the most from the cap going up. Because it's not just it's not just the teams with the top payrolls, or maybe not even benefit the most, the teams that need the cap to jump. You can break them down into categories. You can have like the too late category for the Blackhawks. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, they need the cap to go five years ago. Right. <laughs> or not sign Brian Bickle. Chicago is, is typically... Or one of those teams that needs the cap to go up, but you're right. Edmonton 
they desperately need the cap to go up. That's about their only way out of this. I don't think we've talked enough about the Andre Sequeira deal, because that's also going to be an albatross for them in five and a half or three more years. Yeah. Now, that was a shoe at LA signing as well. Well, I, I tried overrated Andre Sequeira. I, I tried Benton. They absolutely need Jesse Pugliardi and it's gotta be a star. Yeah, he needs to be the player they expect. They need a couple sure. prospects to step up and not just be able to eat up minutes. They need these guys to be able to score goals. Mm-hmm. And you you shouldn't be in that position where you need your prospects. Like I'll just go back to the Pittsburgh and Chicago model because we've seen it work over the last few years. Both of those teams have drawn on rookies that you know were second or third round picks or late first rounders or maybe even later to come in and and play ultimately key roles in the playoffs but when they call them up it wasn't like hey we need jake gensel to score 19 goals in the playoffs or whatever or chicago brings these guys up they don't they're not leaning on them to play in the first line typically i guess chicago was last year edmonton needs these guys to fill out their top six yeah so how different this team would be if you don't have blue Juice's contract to start Maybe you don't have Sakara's contract. I mean, they do have five million bucks coming still off the Taylor Hall. Yeah. I mean, they do, they, I guess they do have five million coming off the books next year with Fane and Korpakowski and Kuliat. Well, they're still going to be paying Kuliat for three more years. But I don't know. I don't know why that frustrates me so much. It, it just had, simply has to be the fact that I want to see McDavid. In the it's a missed opportunity. It's, you, you hate to see franchise players play on bad teams because of poor general manager decisions. Would you ever see them getting to the point where they would trade Drysdale? I, I, I mean, I, I'd imagine you'd have to trade everything. I imagine that if that decision is made, it's made by a new GM. But it's... I have a hard time believing it. I think they, they would much rather take less of a return and just try to get rid of a contract than they would to try to get a what do you get equal returns for Drysdale. I guess you've got to move a guy like Nugent Hopkins. You have to. And you, don't, you might be able to now. He's having a bounce-back year. Yeah, this might be fine. the time. I mean, I understand why he's... It's it's not really a criticism of Nugent Hopkins that he's getting six million dollars a year for the next three and a half years, but that's part of the reason they're so tight in terms of the cap. He's been fine this year. You you probably are getting to the point where you could trade him. Yeah, but again, if if you're at the point where if you swap Lucic and Strom with Hall and, and Everly, all of a sudden the, the team looks a little bit different. They're in a better position to spend the same money. Yeah, so roughly. But they can't do that. Anyway, my point. Well, I mean, they could have, but you know, they did. Could have. But my, my point isn't uh, wasn't supposed to be Edmonton. Who are some of these? I'm just looking at the teams that are in the playoffs right now in the West. Here's the seven that are not, and tell me which ones of these you think get in: Anaheim, Dallas, Bob, Vancouver's already already out. Uh, San Jose, Minnesota, Edmonton, Arizona. Anaheim's in. Anaheim. I'm curious to see what happens with Dallas and San Jose. I did think San Jose would take a step back. I think it wrote that at the beginning of the season. They have a little bit. So they're going to be a bubble team, and I'm curious if Dallas can put this together, yeah. figure this out. But Anaheim, I think, will be in the playoffs. Colorado clearly will not. I think Beyond Calgary's that, Calgary's in a kind of a precarious position. You would yeah. think Vegas would be at some point? Yeah. Late. Calgary's very lucky that Edmonton's around right now. We'll talk about why Calgary can't take that next step. Yet. With that blue line. That is a weird situation. That, why are they not so national? good? Why are they not national? But I don't think that Calgary is a GM issue. That, that team... In my mind, built right. And that doesn't mean no, but that, that that's concerning. Then why why do you have all this talent and you just kind of are hanging around the wild card picture? Well, they're not getting any secondary scoring. They have two that's guys awesome. scoring all of their goals. And that that is very Edmonton like. The difference is they have a much better defense than Edmonton. But I, I look. It doesn't just just because I approve of how Calgary built their roster doesn't mean it's right. But I think the simple fact that 95% of hockey fans look at Edmonton's roster and say there's something wrong, that says something. Whereas I don't think people look at Calgary and they're like, well, why did you draft this guy? And why, why do you have Sam Bennett? Why do you have, like, those Those were normal, those were correct picks at the time. What about Sam Bennett? Sam Bennett's nothing. I'm sorry. Is he just not going to turn into what they thought he might no. be? I mean, he's he's still only 21, but... He has two more points this year than he didn't pull up. Was he three points? Mind. Yeah, there's three points this year. It's not happening. Yeah, it might not. That's that'd be a big loss. But exactly. I mean, he's, he's not costing him a lot. He was the guy that couldn't do the pull-ups, right? Yeah, that, that was, yeah that okay, was So true. now now we know that if he can't do pull-ups, apparently he can't produce. Uh, I mean, again, and his pick wasn't... He won, Not all top picks are created equal in his draft. I think he's been very, very spoiled in the last couple of years. It's like he's writing a declaration of hockey. 
Well, yeah, but it, it's just sometimes it's, you know, there, there are the Neil Yakupov years where everybody said that this number one pick will not be as good as the other number one picks around it. Hey, he's kind of bouncing back, by the way. He is, but, but he was never going to be McDavid or Matthews. He was not even looked in that same caliber when he was drafted number one. No, no, no. In, in fairness to the Flames, when you look at their cap situation next year, they're going to be in pretty darn good shape. I think they have around 57, 58 committed with all their, their main pieces tied up for the near future. So they have some flexibility to be able to add to that forward group if they need to. And it appears they need to. I mean, yeah. Goudreau, Monaghan, Kachuk are, are keepers beyond that. You know, they've got a bunch of role players and, you know, a guy like Sam Bennett who's not doing enough. But they might be able to add pieces in the offseason. And, and, yeah, as you said earlier, from a GM standpoint, by and large, they've done a good job of yeah. building around. You can look at the Troy Brower signing as... Maybe an outlier there, but they're not going to be perfect. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they, they they definitely if they could just get a second line, that's easier said than done. But that might be a team that you watch in free agency because that that's a team that could take a huge jump. I mean, if the young players they still have are playing well, the blue line stays healthy, and they add a few pieces next year in the offseason, let's say that could be a team that we're talking about as a cup contender, not just a wild card team. What about a guy like Sam Bennett? I I, I know that we just talked about how bad this season has been so far. And he really hasn't. He had 36 points two years ago. But as Craig said, he's 21. He is a center. At what point do you consider? I think you could still get something trading him now, whereas if he goes the whole season like this, he's got no value. Here's, the problem is he's gotten progressively worse. Yeah, he's getting a third year in a row word. And the problem is you, when you look on the ice, I know this is kind of an antiquated way of thinking about Teams it. Teams don't like players that get worse for some reason. No, but also I, look, I, I don't notice him on the ice. When the, you know, when the Flames are in town or I'm watching the Flames on TV, I don't notice Sam Bennett. I don't see the flashes of, well, you know, this guy's going to make, he's going to turn things around. He's just around the corner. He's snake bitten. He's like, I don't see it. He's just a complete non-factor out there. It's so, so crazy. Someone with so much raw talent that we saw yeah. before, he's just a complete non-factor. Isn't it crazy, though, how, I mean, you see this, you see it in every sport, but you'll see these guys in the NHL and, and. Typically, the number one overall pick is almost always good, if not great. But there are guys in the top five, probably at least one every year, at least every year or two, that, that does that. They're just fantastic in junior or college or whatever, and they get to the NHL, and you just don't notice them. It's so strange that you could be that talented and not be noticed on the ice. Yeah, there's one in Tucson. Well, I knew you were going to go there, but there's, I mean, it's just but he's, the, these are not the only guys. No, of course not. But you, I mean, we talked about Bennett. We've talked about what up strong. Purely RV is not there yet. He's also not a center, but maybe he's something. Maybe he's not right now. That's a giant bust with the third overall pick. But, I mean, to be fair to Pooley RV, he's in now a very difficult situation because they need him to step in and be good right now. And he was just drafted, like, 15 months ago. It's fair, but the problem is, is you look at the pieces around him. And, again, it's not always fair to the players. The same thing that Dylan Strom is having to deal with. You look at the pieces drafted immediately around them, and the impact that they are making versus the impact that particular player is making, and fan bases get frustrated. I'm just, the more I look at this now, and I know we talked about, we've talked a lot about how well uh, Vegas has played and how great of a story it's been, and I just, I look at that team, and I'm like, no, they can keep this up, they can hang around and at least make the playoffs, but when you start to look at the, the teams that are currently set to miss the playoffs if the season just ended right now, yeah, Anaheim probably gets in. I gotta think Dallas gets in, and I'm not gonna rule San Jose out. So... I mean, if three of these teams, two or three of these teams that aren't in right now are getting in, yeah. I only see Colorado and Vegas dropping out. Yeah. And maybe Calgary. Maybe Calgary. But yeah. I feel like if Calgary drops off, it's because San Jose or even Minnesota caught fire and got in. I I, I'm completely unenthused by the Wild. Me too. Well, they're not a good big fun team. Ten, ten, ten straight shutouts, and I still won't believe the Wild are any danger. I'm just completely unenthused by that team. Yeah. What about a team that never feels like they can actually win anything? Hold on, I'm looking at the uh, 2014 can't draft. Score. They just can't score. There really weren't a lot of great players that went in that draft behind. Uh, no, that was a yeah. rough draft. Willie Nylander. Oh, the guy's being traded for Eckham Larson? Cool. Yeah, uh, Nikolai Ehlers. But like, like to, to the Sam Bennett point, I wonder, and I want, want to see what happens at the deadline with a team like Vegas. I do wonder, because they're not going to be buyers in the traditional sense, but if, if Gallant thinks, it can, if he thinks he can fix certain players, do you take the chance on giving up one of your 80,000 mid-round picks that you have now and say, I have a better chance of seeing if Sam Bennett's going to work for me 
as yeah. a, uh, whether he's a pending RFA this year or next year versus whoever I'm going to get in the fifth round. Oh, I'm just going to do that. And try it. Absolutely. I wonder if they will do or more of this. Yes, yeah, so, okay, if, if they can. So you're saying Calgary's out of a playoff position. Yeah. Point. Okay. Uh, assuming whether it's Sam Bennett or another player that maybe is struggling, teams like, hey, you know, we just we need to get something for them, whether it's mid-round picks or whatever it would be, or a veteran, or say, hey, you know, we'll take, I guess Vegas doesn't have a ton of them, but, you know, because it's not going to be a James Neal type scenario, but we'll take this guy that can help us on our third line and we'll take your third-round pick to take this flawed prospect. We see this in baseball all the time, like the flawed prospect for your flawed prospect type deal. I wonder Everybody if Vegas wins. takes a chance on some players like this and says, we have a better chance of seeing if maybe this works out for us. Guys like Sam Bennett are exactly who I would be targeting if I was Vegas. If the, if the value is so far down on that player, but he's also only 21, and he would immediately step in as one of your better prospects, and maybe he needs a change of scenery or whatever. I mean, I would even, if Vegas is such a fascinating team to look at with the context of the trade deadline. Like I wrote that piece for FanRag this past week of, of the 10 players, 10 of the players you could look at that might be might be on the move either before or at the trade deadline this year. And I just, at one point I was just going down Vegas' roster. There's so many of these guys. Like it's not just James Neal, it's David Perron, it's Jonathan Marceau, it's, it's any of those defensemen. The only guys they have signed beyond this year are Nate Schmidt and Brad Hunt that are currently on the, uh, the active roster. I, I'm incredibly fascinated by what Vegas has a chance to do. I mean, I think if you can sign Marshall, so you do, but I don't know. Again, how many of these players are going to want to stick around, especially for a guy like Marshall, so who's in a UFA year? But I don't think we fully understand what's happening there yet either. Like, that team is, is pretty tightly knit just because of that they're starting a franchise from the ground up and they're winning a lot of games. And even if this is all fool's gold, which we'll find out later this year and into next year, it still, right now, gives them more of an opportunity to try to sign somebody. Because if they if they were in the same spot, let's say the Coyotes were, there's no chance they're getting a marquee free agent anywhere near market value. Now, especially if, even if they miss the playoffs, let's say they're, they're 10 or 11 in the West, yeah, they stand a much better chance of trying to convince somebody to come to them. I would be, if I was George McPhee, I'd be putting together a list right now. Maybe he's already done it. Like, look, look, say, hey, look what we just did with the Isle of Misfit Toys. And we finished 11th in the conference. Yeah. And we've still now got, all those young guys are a year older. Maybe you have some of those picks from this year. One of your three first-round picks comes up and plays. You still have Flurry. I was going to say, we still have Flurry. I would assume they – we talked about this in the past. I can't imagine any situation where you trade Mark andre Flurry this year. The other guys I get, James Neal I get, Marge so He's only making $750,000, and he's coming off a 30-goal season. Now, by the end of this year, he probably won't be coming off a 30-goal season, so maybe you can get him for a decent deal. But the simple fact that you have a proven – especially in the regular season, borderline elite-level goalie that's going to keep you in games, and you have, you're going to have a good season this year. Either you're going to hold on and make the playoffs as an expansion team, which is crazy, or you're going to be right there for most of the season, and you've got a really good coach. I think you can. I think you can sign somebody. But if I was George McPhee, I'd be making a list of players like Sam Bennett that are still very young, still have upside, but they don't seem to be delivering on their potential. And if you were able to go out and get three or four or five of those this offseason and two of them hit, you've you've done a lot for your – it's not a rebuild, but is it? It's just a build. Yeah, I mean, to the point about the trades, they have 10 first and second round picks combined in the next three drafts. And I wouldn't trade a lot of those. I'm not, Well, I mean, uh, what, what's the hit rate on second round picks? If you could trade uh, – and again, we've talked, we can talk about like fake trades all we want, but if you have the opportunity at a Sam Bennett, maybe, or, or something like that, for a player like that, do you take a chance? Yes. I, I, think, I, I think it's I think, a better chance. Teams tend to overvalue draft picks. Yeah. I really do. I think you, you could trade a second-round pick in this league for a lot of for a lot of decent talent. I would trade a second-round pick for Sam Bennett if I was Vegas. Yeah. And again, you, you have, might be able to come and help you now. You have seven second-round picks in the next three years. Seven. Yeah. Where did James Neal end up? It'd be crazy if he ended up back in Nashville. No, he could use him. We think it's 100% he gets traded, right? I would be I floored if he doesn't get traded. Why wouldn't you? Floored. I just... I don't care if they're in first place in the Pacific. Well, here, here's why wouldn't you. And I'm, I'm, I would trade him. But if you are, if you think you're going to make the playoffs as an expansion team, the value that that could have to your expansion team in a brand new market that has no other professional sports, and you have some sort of indication from James Neal that maybe you can resign at the end of the year... The second part, I find very so, iffy. Yeah. Um, if you're, if you're going to make the playoffs, yeah, I get it then. 
you don't start trading players away in your first year of existence. That that's a good way to create bad blood with your fans after you've done so much right. But yeah. if they fall off the playoff pace, I just, I just don't see James dealing. Look, he's thirty years old. He's gonna wanna he's gonna wanna compete for cups and yeah. I realistically, that's not happening in Vegas. I just think he's the one player you have to vote. Yeah, because you just have to. So what if they you are, can get so much for him again? You're building long term here. You have to. You have to think about what you are building. What if What if they are on February 26th in the same spot where they are right now? They're They're currently fourth in the Western Conference. I still think you have to move him. I've been pretty consistent on that. You're, I think you. No, have. I agree. And they, they're four points out missing the playoffs, but I mean it's still early. But they're also six points out of being the top team in the Western Conference. So let's just say say things are tightly packed. Let's say let's say they are seventh in the Western Conference when February 26th rolls around. You have to move them. You have to. I agree, but Craig Even is they, right that you, you need to spin that the right then, way when you do then, it. Then maybe you make a decision where we're going to move him and then we're going to try to trade some lesser picks to give the appearance which we're buying other players. I think you just need to be clear with your fan base that a lot of them haven't followed hockey up to this point. That we're not trying to quit on the season. We're trying to build big picture. And not like the Philadelphia 76ers, where this is a nine-year process, and you have to hit on a guy like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons for it to even kind of work. But just, this was sort of the thought process all along, and we're not even giving up on this season. I think the way you sell that is just to say, look, we're, we're not. he's probably not going to resign here. You, you float that out there that he's probably not going to resign here after the season. So do we let him walk away for nothing? Literally, probably our most tradable, our most valuable asset. Do we let him walk away for nothing? Or do we realize who we are? And and the return has to be there, too. Yeah. I understand saying we're not going to trade David Perron for a two-third round picks because we're in a playoff spot, and that's not working for us. Totally understand that. Yeah, But you can get really good prospects and or picks for James Neal. You cannot pass up that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm with you, but that's going to be... Going to be awkward. It is a tough one to finesse the bill. Because what if they're in first in the Pacific at that <laughs> point? I mean, that's not inconceivable. They're a point out right now. Yeah, if they're in first place in the Pacific Division, then I'm not making the trade. Yeah, then I'm, I'm not. not. You can. And yeah, that's that's probably not the situation they want to be in because it is fool's goal. But yeah, you got to ride that. I have to think they drafted James Neal in the expansion draft with the full intention of trading him this February. Yeah, yes. all along. Yes. Uh, over in the East, anything stand out real quick before we wrap up of teams that aren't in that, that you think will eventually get in? Somehow Ottawa has now dropped out of the top eight. Oh, shocking. Well, but they were in second like two weeks ago in their division. The, the Rangers, well, Boston, I don't know if the Rangers, if this is going to keep up either. I know yeah. they've been playing better hockey. but Well, the Rangers are out of the playoffs right yeah, now. Right. I don't know if they're going to push into it. Uh, Somebody's going to take Detroit. Detroit, yeah. James not in Detroit. That's done. And, and look, we still have to see New Jersey sustain this, right? They were near the bottom of the conference yeah. last year. I know they've, they've had a lot of changes on that roster, but you don't know if they're going to be able to sustain this over the course of a season. They do have a great goaltender. They've got some interesting pieces, but they it, it's not a big separation right now between where they are and being out of a playoff. It's three points. Yeah. We just saw Montreal play the Coyotes. They yes. are currently in Montreal. Montreal, Montreal Florida, and Buffalo are done. You think yeah. Montreal's done? Yeah, yes. that, team is, that team is They're so flawed right now. Montreal has the fifth worst record in hockey. I don't know that most people necessarily realize that because they started the year off terrible, but then they went on a, a, actually a pretty decent streak. They just got shellacked by the Maple Leafs. Yeah. It's like we've seen this, this Carey Price angle from, from every possible perspective. Okay, this is how good they are when Carey Price is at the top of his game. This is how bad they are when he's injured and out of the lineup, and this is how bad they are when Carey Price isn't Carey Price anymore. Yeah. But I don't know who who's the other team. Like I'm not inspired by anybody else down there. No, it's a bunch of Rangers, teams. Yeah, they're okay teams that you don't expect to do any damage in the playoffs. I'm a little surprised Boston isn't better. Not that, that, they that team. Is, that team is underachieved for years now. That's this is just what they are. If they could fire Claude Julien again, I bet they would. Just to drive the point home. The Bruins are just the Rangers, and there's not talk about it enough. They're like a worse version of the Rangers. Same thing. We have a ton of veterans that were better three years ago. They don't really have a clear path to the cup. They don't have a ton of prospects that are just about to break through and make them a, a cup contender again. Just kind of there. Okay, how about this then? Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Montreal, four huge markets. If one of them makes the playoffs, which one's it going to be? They're all bunched up right now outside of the playoffs. They still take the Rangers. Rangers, yeah. Philadelphia ever going to get good? 
don't know. Like Couturier is scoring goals now. Wayne Simmons always scores. Giroud, Voracek have both been fine. Mm-hmm. They've got decent young defensemen now with Proverov yeah. and Gostasperi, and yet they're just on base. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if Cole Patrick starts making an impact at some point. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's something to watch too. But that's it. Blah. That that whole like you look at that entire list of teams, and that's how I feel about all all of them. I mean, Montreal, Florida, and Buffalo are are worse than block. But Philly, Boston, Rangers, Ottawa, Carolina, yeah. Like I'm looking at Montreal's cap situation, and there's I don't even know how to fix this thing either. Carolina's nine sixty four. Maybe they've started their surge before the second half. Yeah, maybe maybe Bill Peters went in there and said, "All right." It's, uh, it's late January. Let's start playing hockey. Look, let's gonna have to sell all of you off in two years, so you might as well make the playoffs before we do it. <laughs> you may enjoy your year and a half here. Before. We really like to let the fan base down in a big way, so let's make the playoffs before we sell you off. It's a continued reminder that Trey Weber and Kerry Price are being played, uh, paid for the next 8,000 years. For those of you playing well in Carolina, we won't trade you to Montreal in two years. So that's sort of your incentive. Montreal wouldn't trade for you at that point. All right, I think that's going to do it for us. The teams at the bottom of the East, much less compelling than the teams at the bottom of the West, is what I'm hearing. Or at least the teams outside the playoff picture in the East versus the West. So, unless either of you have any closing thoughts, we didn't do a Lipinski list this week for the first time. For the first time, yeah. 100 episodes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. For Greg Morgan and Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hatcher Podcast.